resilience. The secret sauce of what makes a small business survive. One of the main things a small business owner can do when it comes to PR, aka public relations, is to remain resilient. Because on average, a journalist receives 200 images a day from small business owners and PR agencies. So how do you stand out and how do you keep resilient in a highly competitive market like this today? Find out the answer to that question and more on this episode of Forward Thinking. Hey everyone, I'm Darren Lake, the audio content manager here at Medigy. Welcome to Forward Thinking, a podcast by Medigy. In this series, we speak with inspirational business owners, brands, and marketing experts to learn from their experiences on the front line and uncover what it takes to build a world-class business. On this episode, we have a great friend of Medigy and Kiwi New Zealand resident, now turned Australian, Shane Allison. Shane is the CEO and founder of Public Address. They are a media relationships management platform that helps PR professionals develop stronger relationships with journalists and secure more coverage. Being a part of the PR industry for almost a decade, Shane's seen the pros and cons for his clients and media. He's also celebrated a few wins, getting awards like the Provoke Media's Innovator 25 Asia Pacific Class of 2020, winning the 2018 PR Professional of the Year, and the inaugural Umbrella Next Award for PR Talent. With this, he comes in to drop a wealth of knowledge that you can absorb. Some things you'll learn in this episode, why PR is a great long-term investment, how to turn around bad PR, ways you can reach out to journalists and stay top of their mind, how to be more confident and tough in your industry, methods to deal with negative comments, and so much more. Let's get into the episode with Shane and Medigy's head of content, Brendan Hill. Shane, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on, Brendan. So you've worked with over 100 different clients in PR land. I mean, what, what are some of the main pain points that you see happening over and over again? I think the main pain points that people look to public relations to solve is they're looking to build new markets, products, services for their brand or their company. It's PR is most effective when you're helping a brand um, become known in a market and it's least effective when you're sitting there and you're looking to PR to instantly drive conversion and results, mm. like sales. If you are trying to drive sales for your brand, buy advertising. You know, go and buy um, an ad, a LinkedIn ad or some Google AdWords and, you know, you will get direct conversion through from, you know, an impression through to a sale. PR is much less effective at actually driving that conversion, but incredibly effective at making people think of your brand when they are making a purchase. Awesome. And can you give us any sort of stories around that? Any good examples from any clients? Look, I, I think what um, what really rings true for me is working with clients in the startup space. Um, clients in the startup space, when they come to PR, they are generally unknown, they are launching a new product, they might be launching a new category and um, disrupting an entire industry. And so they'll come to you as a PR professional and they will the opportunity there for you to transform their brand is incredible because you are literally lifting them off the ground. Um, those are the most rewarding and exciting clients, uh, and I'm going to contradict what I said earlier about not being able to drive sales, but also some of the some of the most exciting cl- 
clients are when you are able to create such a huge impact because of the work that you've been doing with a client over you know two three four years that by the time you actually um by the time you actually get to that you know penultimate campaign where you know you're in hundreds of media outlets you've got social you've got integrated you've got a full um suite of communications tools at your fingertips and you're hitting all of those channels where you can actually see a measurable result for the brand you know right. quite often it will just be a hit on a website change in social followers and engagement but also quite often it will you know when you've when you've been working with a um, brand or or client for a while, you know, you might see some dollar signs attributed to that campaign as well, and that's where um, that's where being able to build a trusted relationship with a PR uh, agency or company who knows your brand, they know what you're doing, and they're helping you build a profile over many years, where you can actually start to see tangible business results. So the one thing that I would say to you know small businesses is that you need to first of all look to PR to help you become known in a market and you know possibly break into a new market and that PR is a long-term investment. You're not going to spend $6,000 on a campaign and all of a sudden you've got a uh, you know, $100,000 uh, conversion and you know your ROI on that is like 15 times. That, that just doesn't happen. PR is a long game. It's about building relationships with the media. It's about building profile with the content that you produce. It's about building connections with followers, not about instant quick hit if you want that spend some ad words yeah so i mean it must be difficult to convince these smbs and startups to take the long game approach i mean how, how do you convince them that pr is the way to go i think it is by telling telling stories of the brands that have come before them i think you know some of the and 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 also working with them to define what success looks like um quite a quite a lot of the time a small or medium-sized business or, or you know even a large business will come to you and they'll go oh i just i just want to be known you're like okay mm. well that's great <laughs> you, you want to be known we all we all want to be known that's a you know innate human trait is is, is a need to be recognized and and loved and 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 acknowledged and the the thing that I say to clients like that is, well, what is the result that you're looking for from being known and who do you need that result from? I had a startup client who came to me and said, Shane, I'm raising money in six months. I need every investor out there to know who I am, what I'm doing, and that I'm a good investment prospect. I'm like, great. That's a very clear mm. brief. I know your audience. I know the outcome. Let's start working with you to craft the narrative that will get you known in that space. Yeah. Um, there is nothing more wasteful than spending you know, a dollar of a client's money on a campaign with no clear objective beyond I want to be famous. I say mm. to clients like that, if you want to be famous, uh, you know, I know a gun store down the road and you know, <laughs> we'll give your CEO a gun and yeah. he can go and you know, start shooting someone in the street and yeah. then your brand will be famous yeah. um, for all the wrong reasons, but mm. you know, we'll have hit your objective. Uh, and you know that might seem a bit crass these days, but it's it's uh, it's one of those tried and true PR um, truisms, I suppose that, uh, that there is there is no there is no such thing as bad PR unless it's really 
bad PR. Really bad. And I, it, it drives me crazy when people are like, there's no such thing as bad PR. I'm like, there, there, is, there is very, very, very bad PR. There is a thing, yeah. you know, look at the Banking Royal Commission. That is bad PR. <laughs> How do they turn around bad PR? What are some of the ways you can do that? I mean, it's it's interesting. The turning around bad PR is probably what we're known for. I think right. spin doctors is something which is quite often used to describe the PR profession. Yeah, spin doctors couldn't be further from the truth. Um, PR people are out there. Ninety nine percent of them are out there to help convey what has actually happened and the truth of what has happened. Yeah. Um, not to try and spin or doctor or you know adulterate a message before it gets out. We're, we're communicators first and foremost. And so PR professionals actually spend a lot of time, in, especially in situations where there has been bad PR, whether it's on social, whether it's in the in earned media, yep. um, slash you know what normal people probably call the newspaper, um, and and the the PRs the communicators' response is normally to find out exactly what has happened. And then try and share as an unadulterated message about that as possible with the community. Mm. Because at the end of the day, people just want to know what's happened. Yeah. You, If you tell people what's happened and you demonstrate that you're taking clear action to resolve whatever transgression has occurred, then people will forgive you. If you duck, weasel your way around it, you know, throw up multiple people to talk about it, dream world. Classic example. Right. Really poorly managed. They threw up the, you know, junior person in the reporting line and um and then they threw up the CEO a couple of days later and she was like, Oh, we're working really hard to reopen the park and like why are you working hard to reopen the park? Poor mm. people have died. Do you yeah. not acknowledge the gravity of the situation? And so um it's interesting because in that one the the firm who was advising uh Dreamworld actually ended up going to the Australian and yep. having to tell their side of the story because they were worried about their reputation being wow. damaged um, yeah. because of what had been happening. Wow. And I guess PR, it is such a powerful tool, as we've already discussed today. I mean, a lot of small, medium businesses, a lot of startups, limited budgets in the early days. Have you got any stories of ways that any of these clients have started on you know, small budgets and had big impacts with PR? I think what uh, this this comes back to knowing what you want to PR to achieve, mm. and then allocating your budget towards that outcome. Um, and I always recommend that the outcome is to build brand and reputation in the market. Understand so that people understand who your company is and what it's known for. I think probably the most effective uh, way to approach that is to look at it in terms of life stage. At a very early stage, you don't have money to hire a communications professional full-time yep. so rely on an agency for help and support when you get to that slightly bigger stage you know you're starting to hire someone in-house they can start to take up a bit of that slack where agency left off so you probably don't need an agency at that point until you get all the way through to when you're a fairly established company and you're looking to agency to amplify the existing activities of your core team in terms of actually getting out comes from PR, the most valuable thing that you can put into PR is your time as a small business owner. Right. As a small business owner, you are most commonly the brand, you're the reputation. You should be looking for speaking engagements. That's something which people will often pay a PR agency two, three thousand dollars as part of a retainer to do. But it's really 
not that hard to go and find out where you should be speaking as, you know, the relevant retail conference. If you're, you know, trying to sell fashion into a larger brand, go and get known at retail conferences. Pitch yourself in. There's nothing more at an early stage that, whether it's someone organising an event, whether it's someone hosting a podcast, whether it's someone um, at the financial review, mm-hmm. there's nothing they enjoy better than hearing from someone who's telling their own story right? and has really good grasp on that. So uh, one of the things which I used to encourage um, my startup clients to do is even when they had, had us on retainer and they could afford to do that, is at least once a week, I need you to put two hours aside and I need you to write a piece of writing a thought leadership post you might call it LinkedIn right. about a topical issue which is happening in the market this week it's really relevant to you really relevant to your audience just sit down and write mm. and that is an incredibly good habit to build just from um, improving your writing skills but it's mm. for a small business owner that that LinkedIn post again great way to build audience and even if you know LinkedIn as a channel isn't relevant to you and your brand it's a great way to continue to shape and refine your thoughts and to make sure you've got an opinion about where your industry is going. Because when it comes to an activity that's going to be shared really well on social, uh, when it comes to a piece which a journalist is going to want to talk to you about, it's not necessarily going to be an announcement or an achievement which really gets you coverage, especially early on. It's going to be your opinions. And opinions matter more than ever. And Writing a simple LinkedIn piece every week is a great way to make sure that you're keeping those opinions and perspectives and um, really sharp and polished and ready to go so that when your PR agency or when you know a journalist is just out looking for someone to talk about an issue, they can come to you and you're ready to go. You've got your messaging ready, prepared and ready to go. And speaking of journalists, I mean, obviously they get hit with lots of requests every day what, what are a few ways that we can reach out to journalists and get top of mind journalists are hit with more content than ever before yeah the average journalist gets about 200 pitches a day wow. from small business owners from pr agencies from you know loonies out in the shit and <laughs> the whack and the whoop whoop and, you know, the, the most high profile and journalists who, who produce a lot of content will get 700 pitches. 700? 700 pitches a day. Wow. And, I mean, that's something which the PRA, the PR industry needs to stop doing. It's because mm. they will only open about 25% of those pitches if they do that. Um, and, you know, that's something that Public Address, my company, is actually working to do is to reduce the volume of pitches being sent to journalists by giving them more appropriate content. Because at the end of the day, all a journalist wants is appropriate content, which is going to be relevant to their readers and get their readers engaged, or listeners, mm. or viewers. And so, the thing which um, I'd say to small business owners is to shape your shape your message. Make sure that you've got a strong, compelling opinion. Make sure that you've got something interesting to say. Run that past a few friends. Go, hey, if if you saw a headline like this, would you read it in the paper? And then you can do things like actually approach the journalist. Most of them will have an email address online and say, hey, I, this is this is me, this is my story, this is what I'm doing. Um, would you be interested in going out for a coffee? And you know, we can have a chat about the industry trends, what's happening. Um, 99% of you know, small business owners, people, uh, anyone, won't actually email a journalist and do that. But mm. it can be an incredibly powerful and rewarding way to build relationships. 
because what we tell every client is that the relationships with journalists matter for spokespeople. They need to have really great relationships with the media, the media to know that they can pick them up and have a chat to them, even if it's not to be quoted in the in newspaper or to be interviewed, just to call up and ask, hey, I saw that company X did Y. Why is this happening and what does this mean for the industry? Because you're seeing an increasing generalisation of the media. So journalists, 10 years ago, you had a retail reporter at the Financial Review. You had a retail reporter who covered fast-moving consumer goods. You had a retail reporter who covered beverages. Now you've got one retail reporter who's covering a huge range of uh, sectors. Mm. And so she is having to be across a huge amount of uh, different trends and insights and what's going on in the industry. And so for her, it, it makes her job a lot harder and she needs a lot more trusted sources who know what they're talking about and who are happy to take a back seat on a story, but just help her understand, her or him, help her or him understand what the, what, what the story means and what's going on in the background. Interesting, interesting. So, I mean, you mentioned important, obviously, to build up platform, reach out to journalists, you know, produce these authority pieces on our different social platforms. Can you tell us a story about any of the clients that you've worked with that, you know, have taken this advice, have done these steps, a bit of a before and after? Like, where, where has it gotten them to? I think probably the client where this stands out the most for me Sorry, I'm just trying to think of a um, we don't have to name names. Yeah, that's. I, I, was, I was just trying to think of a good name. Most of my like, recent corporate stuff is like EY, uh, superannuation right. fund, like people who Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> actually, no, I've got a good startup. Okay, cool. All right. I'll, uh, uh, was, uh, the question was, I think, the, mo- the most interesting story. Yeah. Um, the most interesting story of a brand that has been able to achieve amazing results is a gentleman named Nicholas Chu from Synorbis. Synorbis builds this amazing platform which uh, helps brands and co- brands and businesses in Australia and around the world actually build uh, websites which are relevant and appropriate for the Chinese market. China has a very closed ecosystem of web and app development so you need to build very specific uh, platforms to reach into those markets and host them locally and there's a whole bunch of local knowledge he's managed to distill this down into a simple platform which um which manages all that for you for a for a subscription and the thing which he did and which he did very well is he came to us early on and he said you know this is what I want to do. I want to launch my platform. It's really important that these audiences know that my platform exists, um, and it's really important that these audiences know this about my platform. And so he had a very clear understanding of what he needed to do. In the first phase, that was actually educate. He needed to educate people that there was a difference to the Chinese market. So right. he's out there talking about the walled garden of China. He's talking about the the differences between Chinese social media like WeChat and you know, Western social media like Facebook. And so he's spending a lot of time out there and making himself available, at, you know, to journalists, to commentators, to other people, especially on events as well. Um, and we're, you know, pitching in these announcements. So he's building 
and this understanding and awareness of the differences. This is before he even had a product. Wow. And when he had a product, he was out there talking about the product and how that would achieve this. And so he's been able to grow and scale that business. He's raised um, a fairly significant amount of money to help continue to build that platform. Um, And he's done a really good job of building his profile and using his profile to build his brand's profile because it might seem selfish and it does seem selfish to a lot of small business owners who you know we talk we we, we i talk to as a consultant um is they don't want to be famous for themselves they want their brand to be known mm. but ultimately people will connect with you yeah. and your brand you need to be elevating your profile at the same time as elevating your brand's profile you can't do one or the other you need to be doing both together and you need to kind of swallow that oh, I don't want to be a tall poppy. I don't want uh, to, you know, hero myself. Mm. You need to be out there heroing yourself, telling people that you know what you're talking about, that you know what you're doing, and you're building this amazing company that is going to do X, Y, or Z, and be really confident about that. Yeah, so I guess how do we do that? Obviously, in the United States, they're uh, a lot more prevalent in that area. I mean, here in Australia, as you said, we have something called tall poppy syndrome. We're a bit more modest. I mean, what advice do you give to these Australian businesses? I mean, to, I guess, instill that inevitability of success in their startup. I think for, you know, startups and small businesses, it's, it is about backing yourself the same way you would to a client to the media right. and making yourself available. Treat the media like a client. You know, if a client calls and says, I want you to pop around next week and have a chat about your product or service, um, or, you know, if even if you were uh, running, you know, a, a small business like a corner store, you know, mm. if someone came to you asking you to come and speak about your business at an, a, an event, you'd probably take them up on that. Um, it, the same comes with PR and external channels. You need to be ready to back yourself to go out and speak about your business um, and, have, and have real conviction to do so because it's... Yeah, so I guess the United States, they're a lot better at selling themselves uh, than we are in, here in Australia. We're a bit more modest and, you know, there's been a lot of articles in the last couple of years about tall poppy syndrome. I mean, what advice do you give to clients to get over that? I think a lot of people see, you know, America and the American culture of being very confident about your business and backing yourself as brash and arrogant Mm. and you know like you say a tall poppy in the australian market there's always going to be people out there who don't agree that you're doing the right thing or they just want to cut you down you know you read the comment section of any industry trade publication in australia and it's full of just seething (laughs) anger at anyone who puts themselves out there it's crazy (laughs) it's crazy um and you just need to build a bit of a thick skin Mm. it's you know, one of the clients that I've worked with, um, who's a, ma- a huge employer in Australia, you know, I think they've got about 8,000 staff across the country. Uh, one of the things that we used to do with their spokespeople internally, whenever there was a media opportunity, is we'd sit them down beforehand and, beforehand, and we'd just go, you know, Samantha, you're going to be in the media tomorrow. Part of that is going to be that there's going to be some internal backlash, and there might be some external backlash. We're here to support you. We're here to help you. And click any of those you know, requests, click any of that through to us, and we will deal with it. Obviously, 
a small business owner isn't going to have a five-person communications team to mm. field those requests off to. Um, but I think the same principle applies. It's If you go out there and think that it's going to be sunshine and roses, getting into the media and making an opinion and shaping a perspective and starting a debate about an issue, it's not. Mm. Other people are going to share different views than what you have on this issue. And so what you need to do is to go out with the full knowledge that it, there might be some negative feedback. And if that negative feedback comes, you're okay because you're still confident in your opinion and you're just not, not going to let that get under your skin. And right. so I'd say to a small business owner who is looking to get out into the media is look around you for that support mechanism. Make sure that support mechanism's there before you go out and speak to the media. Okay. Make sure that you've you know let your spouse or you've let you know one of your employees know that you know, this is going to come out. I might need some support post it coming out because, you know, someone might jump on the comment section and say something really bloody mm. nasty. Yeah. But just remember that it's going to be the people commenting and uh, who are going to get under your skin, not the journalist. The journalist is only ever there to tell the story. Right. If you are sharing a great, really positive story, there's going to be a positive article. If you're... Um, running a good ship and you know you're you're doing a good job that is going to generate good pr so don't worry about being transparent and open and honest with a journalist it's more the community which can sometimes turn a bit nasty yeah oh and i mean what are some sort of methods that you suggest to deal with the negative comments because i mean it's definitely a barrier for a lot of people to get into content creation in the first place I think the negative comments, it's you, you've got to you've got to separate them into two to two buckets. I think the first one are the ones which you ignore, and those are just the comments. And you know, I, I don't recommend deleting comments from an article because, or a post because sometimes that can fire back even more than you know the than the damage the initial comment would have caused because yeah. you know trolls are trolls. Um, but you you do need to be safe sometimes and and being going go to someone who you know, your accountant or you know someone who doesn't really uh, have a have a great deal of emotional attachment to, to to things and go hey look if you read this article and then you read this comment would you change your opinion about the article and if that objective third party is like yeah look actually I, I, that person looks like crazy you're fine mm. then just park it leave it ignore it it is going to burn but just yeah. forget about it and move on. And over time, you'll 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 you won't be as bothered by it. I think the second one, and you know, every negative comment um, that is justified is an opportunity to change someone's mind. Mm. I think one of the things which business owners often complain about is, oh, I didn't know that there was that feedback until they left, you know, or they stopped mm. buying my product, or they stopped turning up in my stores. The every piece of negative feedback is truly an opportunity to correct that negative feedback to take that on board to change what you're doing mm. and so i do recommend engaging because the worst thing that can happen is that it looks like you're just ignoring that you've put this post out about a new product and then you're ignoring all the feedback underneath it mm. and take that feedback on board and mm. if you're wrong apologize you've made a mistake take it back the one thing which, especially these days, the one things which consumers will not forgive is a lack of action. Mm. 
they are looking for you to take authentic action on every issue which comes your way and that can be challenging but that's why you just have to be upfront and if you've done something wrong acknowledge it admit it apologize and move on yeah i remember bill gates always says your number one source of learning will come from your most unhappy customers so i mean it's definitely a really valuable resource to have totally and it's hard to find unhappy customers Mm. You know, unhappy customers are the hardest to find because they disappear <laughs> off your mailing list. They unsubscribe. Yeah, well, yeah. half of the time they won't even unsubscribe. They'll just stop opening your emails. Mm. Before you know it, a year has passed. They've stopped opening your emails and they just aren't engaging with you anymore. And that's where, you know, if that feedback is coming to you live on a social channel, yeah, it's real, it's immediate. You've got an opportunity to change it around. Yeah, super valuable. And I guess PR is changing all the time. What's got you most fired up around PR this year? What's got me? There's look. There, there, there's probably a long laundry list of the <laughs> things which uh, which get me fired up about uh, public relations <laughs> because it is something I'm I'm very passionate about, and um, it's it's an amazing industry, and and we 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 do an incredible amount of good for the world. I think what has gotten me really fired up recently is that uh, there's been some association between you know, PR and fake news. Mm. Um, you know, I had a I had a researcher approach me the other day and they were looking to do a research project on the intersection between fake news and PR. And I was like, uh, PR does not deal in fake news. We're not spin doctors. We mm. are, you know, professionals who, if we carry a lie to a journalist, that journalist is going to cross, cross us off their list yep. and never talk to us again. Right. P- PR professionals are the most, um, you know, 99.999% of them are honest, out there to do a really good job and to tell the truth. I think the thing that, on the flip side, the thing that is getting me most excited about PR is the evolution of the industry. You know, my, my company, Public Address, we focus on earned media. So that's newspaper, print, television, where you have to convince a journalist to write your to write a story about you, and that's an incredibly important space for public relations professionals. Still accounts for about fifty percent of the profession. The other fifty percent of the profession is the broader integrated communications mix. So that's where things like social, digital, website, um, SEO, content, all of that comes together in a way which can drive action and um, and engage audiences, which earned media relations couldn't. And so that kind of the the broadening of PR to this really um, integrated machine, which is helping build brands and reputations across the world, is is quite amazing. Um, and I think that's probably the most exciting thing, which everyone's interested to see how all of those channels can truly work together. Mm. I give the example to quite often of I had a campaign which I ran with a client, and. The one thing that I wanted out of the campaign was a hero piece of media coverage, which would then drive social and digital engagement. Right. And so all of those channels are working together. And then post the social and digital engagement, there was web content and copy around the product and service offering, which the earned media article was aiming to drive demand for. And so that earned media article didn't mention the product, didn't mention the service, it just talked about the problem. And then as they went along the, the funnel, they were able to progress from understanding that there was a need for the product through traditional PR through to understanding more about the solution right. that was there 
through to purchase. But again, that's a brand which I've been working with for several years. Mm. We've given them the authority in the marketplace to talk about that problem. You know, that's a long-term investment. That they didn't just kind of turn up one day and go, "Oh, we want to, we want you to sprinkle some magic fairy dust and <laughs> uh, and make us famous all around the world." Mm. And talking about your latest project, public address, can you tell us a bit more about how that came about and what the end goal is for that? Yeah, definitely. I think I, like many other people um, who start their own business, I've been working in this industry for you know seven or eight years by the time I started public address. And every time I went to a new job, I was like, in this new job, I'm going to discover that this new agency which I'm joining has the digital tools which enable them to do media relations. They've got a platform so that they can manage media relations. And media relations is what people will most commonly associate with PR. It is, uh, I think I said before, trying to uh, earn earned media. So pitching to a journalist and saying, hey, I thought you might be interested in having a chat to person X about subject Y. And so I, I kept on going around trying to find these digital platforms and I couldn't find them. So I think the, the, the startup phrase is that I, I scratched my own itch and, um, and started Public Address. And so Public Address is a highly customized customer relationship management system, which is built for PR professionals. So you can start a campaign, distribute all of these pitches to journalists, and then journalists can write a story more efficiently and effectively by using all of the content that you've provided as part of that email pitch. Wow. And so it's it's quite transformative for the PR profession who haven't had a tool which works for them. And I think that's what we're seeing more broadly is a shift from SaaS products and, you know, Dropbox, which is they've nailed storage. You know, why is yeah. why are we going to start a new cloud storage company? Um through to microsets, you know, companies like Medigy, companies like Public Address, which are solving a, I think Medigy's problem is, is bigger, you know, small, uh, medium-sized businesses, helping them automate marketing. But Public Address, we're looking just at PR agencies and that very micro-vertical, and so I call that microsets. the, I'm not sure whether it's, I've called it that or someone else has called it that, but it, microsets is looking at that very vertical niche building a product which really works for them and then going even deeper into that so the product that we're aiming to build um is going to be a, an ai driven pitching machine so you're going to be able to put a media release or a story or some content up there we'll analyze that give you some recommendations on who you should be pitching to when you should be pitching to them and why you should be pitching to them wow and you press go so it's uh, it's it's still going to be something where a PR professional is going to be required to help shape that story because the most important thing to a journalist is a story. You can use mm. as many artificial intelligence tools as you want to, <laughs> but you can't beat a good story, which yeah. a human being has helped shape and create. Um, but hopefully, the use of tools like this will bring down the cost of PR, democratize PR, and make PR more accessible to everyone um, across the world. Amazing. And Public Address, where can we find out more about that? Uh, our website, publicaddress.com.au, um, and you can listen to the Talk Track podcast on iTunes and uh, anywhere you find your podcast. If you are a PR agency owner, that will, uh, that will uh, light you up with the latest news and insight and, um, and analysis on the world of PR. 
Amazing, amazing. I mean, thanks so much for your time so far, Shane. A couple of quick questions before we go that we love to ask each guest on the podcast. So the first one, uh, what was the last purchase of $100 or less that has made a significant impact in your business? The last purchase of $100 or less was a case of wine. and Interesting. That- <laughs> Well, a case of wine has, I, I can tell you, has many benefits for a business. <laughs> you can drink it. You can yeah. use it as a paperweight. No. Um, it, it, what, what, the, what the case of wine um, was used for was the Sydney Public Relations Meetup Group. And that's a meetup group which I started to connect and create a community around PR in Sydney. And, you know, it's, it's, it's incredible the power of an event. And I think that's, you know, if I... As as a you know small business owner myself um, and a startup founder, that event has been incredibly useful as a form of public relations to okay. get my brand known and to get public address known in the community. By investing in that, we have built an audience, and people know what public they don't necessarily know what public address is, but they know that it exists, and so it means that they're excited to hear from us when we actually contact them directly. And, that's really what PR can do for your business. Amazing, amazing. And if there's one book that has helped you with your business, what would that book be? So I would go for a book called Good Strategy, Bad Strategy. And that is a book by Donald Rumfeld, I think. And it just goes in, and the key takeaway, and this might save you buying the book, although I do recommend buying it because it's an amazing book, um, is that is good strategy which is strategy which is founded upon the idea that uh, there's something happening in a marketplace and in the world around you which your business can capitalize on to be successful bad strategy is where there's no external environment taken into account in setting your strategy so bad strategy is to increase profit by 20 percent right how are you going to do that what gives you the right to increase profit by 20 percent a good strategy is to capitalize upon this unique ip which we have, and an increase in demand from the marketplace for a particular type of product and service to lift profit by 20%. Gotcha. And so that's a really good book which will arm you with a lot of the tools and thinking uh, about strategy and about planning. Um, And it's written by a bloke who was a former, I believe he spent a lot of time in the military and helping shape um, military strategy, but also a lot of time um, helping uh, helping business owners. Right, Donald Rumsfeld was it? Yeah, Donald Rumsfeld. I think it was in the Vice movie. That uh, uh, was that Donald Rumsfeld. Maybe, uh, maybe, maybe I'm thinking of the Secretary of uh, Secretary it, of State here, not the. Uh, <laughs> we, we might have. To, I might have to ask you to put something in the show notes to. Um, to to correct that one yeah i mean all the resources that we've talked about today oh sorry no it's richard rumelt richard rumelt is richard rumelt. Dive, dive dive into his book and um and uh and and you'll you'll be much richer for it or just hit and find one of the really good summaries which are available online as well perfect and all the things that we've mentioned today all the resources they'll be in the show notes that you can find at metagy.com forward slash podcast and the final question today, Shane, just to wrap things up, it's a bit of a creative thinking question. It's a bit different. So you're on the first flight to Mars with Elon Musk and the first settlers aboard the SpaceX Starship rocket. 
What business do you start when you land on Mars and how are you going to promote it to the new Martians using PR? I think what I would do is start the transportation business, the logistics business. Right. Because you look at, uh, you look at the founding of Mars and mm-hmm. it's analogous to the founding of America. You know, it's a group of settlers to a new land mm. building um, and building new communities. And what connects communities? Logistics. So whether it's a railway, whether it's laying, you know, fibre on Mars, whether it's uh, starting off with a small pack of runners who just help people move stuff between uh, the different houses in the first settlement. I think I would start a logistics and transportation business. The thing that I would do to promote that is actually by providing a really excellent service mm-hmm. because I think people get caught up in PR and going, oh, we need to PR this or we need to spend a lot of money on this. There's no point in spending money on something if you don't have a great service and great customer service to start with. I yeah. think people look to PR to fix problems, mm. whereas PR can't fix a broader business problem. Mm. And if you're getting the basics right, your PR will completely do itself, whether it's through word of mouth, and that word of mouth, them reading a ju- reaching a journalist or people speaking about it online, it's actually getting the basics right, which counts for more than anything. Nice answer. So Mars first transport. Great answer. So Mars first transportation system. Well, Shane, really appreciate the time uh, that you've given today and the value that you've dropped at the Metagy audience. Is there anything you'd like to say before we wrap up or anything you would like people to do? I think you just need to remember, I think, I think the most important thing for a small business or a startup founder to remember is that there's a lot of things that will be relevant and exciting to you, which won't necessarily be exciting to people outside of your immediate network. And that's a mistake that a lot of people make when they're trying to do PR is to go out and talk about, you know, this new widget that they've added to their site. People, and so don't go out and start trying to promote the new widget. Go out and start talking about your story with journalists, with um, online communities, with social channels. Go and start talking about your story. And then when you occasionally drop a new announcement about a you know, widget or a new feature that you've added to that, uh, to that audience through whatever channel you're using, you'll be really interested and, um, and people will be engaged because of that. Awesome. Again, thanks for all the fantastic advice and knowledge today, Shane. It's been fun. And you can view all the show notes, which will feature all the resources and books that we've mentioned today at metagy.com forward slash podcast. Thanks again, Shane. Thanks so much, Peter. Great to be on. From Metagy, you've just listened to Forward Thinking. Again, I'm Darren, and Metagy hopes we helped you find more insights and tips into your business. To find out more about Metagy and get a listener-exclusive three-month free trial, visit us at metagy.com forward slash podcast. And while you're there, go and check out some more episodes. If you like what you heard, please share a link to another business owner or marketer who you think could get something from this. Also, to help us out, it would be great if you left a five-star review on your favorite podcast app. Last, never miss another episode by following or subscribing to us on your favorite podcast player. See you on the next episode. Managing.